If you happen to have kids or even know someone who does, I highly recommend the new musical children's picture books by Emma Pinnell Music. Emma is an author and musician of over 20 years dedicated to emotional understanding for kids and adults. Her books, Gentle Dragons, Healing and Dealing with Emotions and Feelings, and also Queen Tween the Cat, A Story of Gratitude Compassionate Attitude, both are themed around assisting children develop healthy emotional habits and positive attitudes towards life and others. Emma also includes full-color, captivating illustrations, also completely done by her on every page. Find these books available on Amazon in print or ebook, or visit her personal website, www.emmapanil.com. That's www.emmapanil.com. Panel spelled P-A-U-N-I-L.com. This is Erie Vaughn, and you're tuned in to Underground Opolis. Dig it. I've got four Coleman Williams, also known as four, on as my guest, and we're just going to get right to it. So, I can't ask you, like, like the basic, what first got you into music? <laughs> but I can, you know, it's just my t- typical first question, you know, be like, who, who would that oh, influence you can, me? man, you know, I actually don't have the same upbringing that you think about that. Uh, I was into music when I was younger. I was into punk bands and metal bands. I was a rhythm guitar player for about 10 years. Um, I always wanted to be a writer more than anything, too. Like, uh, that was my biggest inspiration for music was people that put their words into an expressive form more than just singing and performing. I mean, I have a country and Western background, but that's actually not what got me into music at all. Like I was, I was, I was a person that did house shows. I was part of the local scene for over ten years of my life, from a young age until I was early into college. The song "Son Son of Sin." That's like, oh man, that's like heavy, the heavy metal honky tonk. <laughs> well, it's a blend, man. You know, my our the big goal with my band and our project is to kind of touch on multiple genres, multiple things that a lot of different people can enjoy. You know, so we kind of wanted something that everybody can kind of listen to, and even people that maybe wouldn't listen to music that heavy might give it a shot, and people that want something that heavy might give country a little bit of a shot. So kind of a blend in there. Do you have a particular creative process? 
Um, it really varies, man. It, it, a lot of that depends on, the, you know, first of all, the song, um, the inspiration, things like that. Like, I have songs that are traditional country songs. Um, and then I also have songs that are very blended progressively, like Son of Sin. So uh, it really varies, man. I've been writing for over 20 years. So uh, a lot of that is uh, it's just kind of the mood is a big part of it. And then, you know, sometimes, like, I'll have something that I've already written and made, and with my band, it kind of turns into something else. And sometimes I'm down to let that happen, and sometimes I'm really adamant about how I want something to sound, you know. But uh, my band is an interesting blend of people. I have people from country backgrounds, pop backgrounds, punk rock backgrounds, all throughout my band. So, like, you know, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's always kind of a, a collaboration, man. Um, but, you know, a lot of the time, man, like I said, a lo- it really is like the song. Song by song, it's different. So uh, I will say that I always kind of – I write constantly, but uh, as stuff that I use, you know, probably 30% of the material that I actually write is the material that gets put into my records or into songs. And then the rest I kind of just keep in a backlog for later, maybe for something else down the line that works better. How, how old are you, if it's all right I ask? I'm 30 years old. I turned 30 I, I, actually two, two weeks ago. Like I never would have guessed that. <laughs> never, yeah. never, I never, I never would have guessed that he was, he was 30 years old. Do you have a favorite performance? When I was younger, um, my band I used to be in a metal band, and we got to play with uh, one of the guys from Ministry in New Jersey in like 2010. Oh, wow. And that was really cool, just to get to be around somebody like that that I'd always looked up to, someone my dad looked up to as well. Um, so that was cool to like, you know. And we were just an opener, of course, but I actually, you know, got to be part of that. So that was wonderful. I also really liked the New Jersey metal scene. There's just a lot of good guys in that area, man. Uh, I had some good friends in the uh, Red Bank area. And, uh, you know, they're keeping it alive down there, man. Uh, but that was a show that meant a lot to me. Um, you know, I've done a lot of things that you couldn't technically call shows, just playing with other musicians I respect and care about. But uh, that's definitely one, um, you know. There was another time that I was able to, uh, you know, I wasn't even supposed to do anything, and I ended up just getting to have a really cool night uh, with my friend Nick Shoulders, who also was a guy that helped me do my Western AF video a few months back. He introduced me to Mike Venata. So, you know, uh, not really, you know, just the shows I performed, man, It's kind of, I, I enjoy them all, man. I love doing every single one. It's more just like people I've met along the road, man. I mean, I don't care if I'm playing for three people or a hundred people, like or a thousand people. Like I just like being out there and let people hear my stuff. So, you know, I, I'm just in it, and it's win it, man. Like I love just performing. Uh, everyone, even bad shows, man, they build character or teach you things that are important. Like oh, yeah. uh, I mean, you know, hecklers. I, I see those as important days because you know those are the ones that really define you as an artist. Is if you can deal with someone trying to mess with what you're doing. Yeah, you know, so I mean, it, the whole experience in general, man, is always a gift because you always learn something useful. You know, even on, the, like I said, even on the worst shows. Do you have a worst show story? Uh, I had a heckler hit me in the face with a bottle full of beer, um, oh so that was God. pretty bad, man. Like I got nailed right in the face. It didn't break, but because it was full, it was just like a hammer hitting me in the face. So that wasn't great. <laughs> that oh, no. wasn't that wasn't awesome. But like I said, man, you know, it was easier. Uh, these days I'm in the front. That was when I was a rhythm guy and I was on the side. So, you know, um, 
it's just one of those things you just kind of grit it and bear it for everybody else, man. You know, and not, there, there are just some places that people want to want to test you. You know, New Orleans is a really wonderful place to play music, but crowds in New Orleans can be really hard to impress, and uh, they can be pretty savage, man. I mean, but you can get that anywhere. That's just kind of like one of those places they'll test you, you know, see what you'll do. And, you know, the best thing to do when it comes to that stuff is to just shrug it off, man. You know, for the hundred people that want to see you to the three people that don't, it's just not worth it to ruin it for the others. That's true. Very true. And the, the, these people, do they do they know who you were? No, nope, I've never been open about that until about a year ago. Oh, wow. So, I mean, my I'm, friends and people that have grown up with me know, but uh, when I did music when I was younger, I never let people know about it. And it wasn't because I didn't want people to know. I never wanted to be treated differently for it. Um, I've never done my own project, so this is different. I had to let people know because it's my project and my work, and I'm the one in charge. But when I was in other bands and did stuff, man, I never, ever, ever, ever was one of the people that would let everybody know that because, uh, like I said, I just wanted to be part of it, man. I wanted to be part of the musical experience. I didn't want to be treated like I had something different because I'm not. Our family isn't. We're great people that have done hard work that make great music, but that oh, yeah. can ruin that experience sometimes, man, is when everybody sure wants to be like, well, fuck you, because, you know, you're you're related to these people, or they think that you have something to prove, or they think that you think you're better than them. So for me, as working goes musically, that was a thing where I personally kept it in the dark because I wanted a genuine experience for my bandmates and people, and I'm, you know... Like I said, man, that can lead to lots of problems. There are tons of people in the business that are related to someone. And, you know, a lot of times people can be really cool about it. But there's always that one person, man, that thinks they need to test you for it. And, you know, it's it's unnecessary. I didn't ask to be born. Neither did Wolfgang Van Halen. Neither did Shooter Jennings. Neither did John Carter. You know, we're all related to people that are helped found music in the past 50 years. But some people just don't see that, you know, the reason they were so great is because they're real people. You know, they're not they're not gods, they're not deities, they're not above anyone else, man. They do great work, but that's why people understand it, is because they're real. You know, and, and that's that's what I wanted, man. I wanted the genuine the, the genuine Macala. I didn't want to think that uh you know, there were murmurs behind something until I wanted it. Like I said, having a project now where I'm the head of it is a different game. But just being in a band and playing with people and getting to go around the country, that was never, you know, it wouldn't have been, I know it wouldn't have been the most positive experience if I had been open about that. Uh, people, like I said, people that knew me knew that about me. But when it came to that, I just wanted to keep that separate, man. And it made things easier for me, in my opinion, to grow as an artist, to be able to hone my craft without being put under a magnifying glass. I mean, yeah, poor Way Jennings. Jesus Christ. He, people give him shit all the time, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. And I, I don't mean, understand. You know, he's really good, you know. Well, well, yeah, I mean, do they do the same thing to his grandson, who's the rapper, Struggle Jennings. I mean, you got you got Shooter and you got Struggle, and, like, you know, those are great guys. They both did their own thing. I mean, when Shooter did Glam Rock, people treated him like he committed a sin, and he oh, didn't yeah. do anything wrong. I mean, Black Country Records is awesome. I mean, so we're, I'm playing a show this Friday with Jamie Wyatt. You know, he produced Jamie Wyatt's last record, Neon Cross. That's an unbelievable record, you know, and, and awesome. And, you know, Shooter is a collaborative artist. He's a great producer. He's a good person, you know. And, and, you know, there's no reason to be compared to your forefather if you're doing something that's genuinely you. 
you know, and that was the time when glam country rock, I mean, that was not as accepted, you know, he wanted to do something that he thought was fun and he believed in. And like I said, man, just a lot of people that deal with what I deal with that are related to someone in this business, especially in the country and Western scene, it can be very hard to stand out on your own with your own work. It's the same reason with my song, Son of Sin, man. It's not a Hank song. It's because I didn't want it to be because I, it's my own music, my own influences and something I turned into with my band and my own opinions of things to make my own sound. You know, I mean, because, man, if, if, I, if I hadn't come out already with my material and work, I'd have a thousand people, and they still do, that want to compare me to three generations of other, of other artists. And, you know, that didn't work for my dad, and it didn't work for my grandfather, so I don't no, know why people is. would think that would work for me. You know, I mean, you know, that, that, that's the biggest thing with that department. And, you know, my grandfather did the same thing. When he was younger, he wanted to be Rock and Randall. You know, I mean, he wanted to be a rock and roll artist. He didn't want to just be country and western singer. And, you know, he had to deal with that for 30 years before he was considered his own artist. You know, yeah. so, I mean, you know, and my dad took half the time to do that because he got tired of it real quick. You know, I decided right from the get-go I just didn't even want to do that, you know. I have all the respect in the world for my bloodline, my family, and what we've done for this for the music of this country. But at the same time, you know, I think that more than anyone, my great grandfather would understand making your own sound because he did the same thing. Oh, you know, yeah. it's, it's about it's about doing what you know you are proud of, and nobody made it for you or told you to make it. You know, and uh, that's definitely like I said, man. That's that's the goal with everything I make when it comes to music. It's just it's genuinely me. Whether it's country song, metal song, punk song, rock song, acapella song, world music song, I'm I'm an artist. I'm never going to be called a country artist or a metal artist or a punk artist because I don't want to be called that. I am an artist. You know, I make music that I think is what I want to make at the time, and that's my goal, man. You know, because. You know, the worst thing I think you can do to an artist is define them in a genre. Because why would you do that? Because that restricts them from all these opportunities they can take themselves to grow, you know, to do their own thing, to make something different. And a lot of things at first people hate, they end up loving. I mean, look at what Dylan did with electrical music. You know, mm -hmm. people try to call him a traitor. And now, you know, that's a regular thing for that man still. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just you, you have to be true to what you know is important to what you're doing to create your sound. And if it's sounding like something that's already happened, that's awesome. But if it's not, that's also fair too, you know. Like I said, I feel like a lot of artists aren't allowed to spread their wings. And that's, that, that always bothers me because, you know, no one should have to hope that they can make something and people don't hate it. Because if that's why you're making music, you shouldn't be making music anyway. You know, you, it's never just to get recognition. You're making it because you enjoy making music. You enjoy playing. You know, you want to spread your your message out there. And you know, like I said, for me, man, if it's five people or five thousand, I don't care because you know, I just if they love what I'm doing, I'll give you every inch of my show. If you're there to tell me, oh, you should do this, it's like that's great, man. Then you go do it. You know, because you know, I mean, I've never understood people that do that to artists. And, and that's always been very frustrating for me is, like, you know, why would you go somewhere to tell someone to do something? Why don't you just try to see what they're doing? You know, and maybe, just maybe, they might teach you something you didn't even know. You know, I mean, that, that, 
I mean, as music goes, man, you know, it's a form of communication between all living beings, you know, and, and sometimes the music you thought you'd hate, you might love it. Yeah, I mean, it's happened to me multiple times in my career, like listening to music or going to a show, and I didn't know who the person was, and it became a band that I treasured, you know, I mean, I think that uh, people just need to go out there and try stuff, you know, try to hear something that you're not used to hearing, or if you're going to go see something, and you're, don't go in and try to compare it to something else, you know, just try to see what it is, you know, uh, I think a lot of great artists right now in the music community are doing that. Like, uh, you know, this fall, about two weeks ago, I announced I'm touring for about a month and a half with Danny from Amigo the Devil, you know, and the Tejano Corner Street Thieves. And, you know, Danny is awesome. Like, you know, Danny does a one-man show, you know, and it takes a lot of balls to go up there by yourself and, and get a crowd of that many people hyped. And he does it with a banjo and an acoustic guitar, you know, I mean, and that's awesome. You know, and I've heard people be like, oh, but it's, a, it's only one dude. It's like, dude, it doesn't matter, man. Just go see a show. Go see what he's doing. I mean, Hazel Atkins did that in the 60s. You know, I mean, it's it's awesome to see people that have that, you know. And Danny had been in bands with other people a lot. Back to this story after our sponsor story. This episode of Underground Opus brought to you by Book 2 and the Shadowed Stars sci-fi book series by author Stephen Couts. Book 2 follows the adventures of Josh Broody, a hero corrupted turned villain and back into a hero as he is put on a path of redemption while the sins of his evil deeds haunt him each new steps he takes. He is a brother mentioned in a prophecy to bring about the demise of the Dark Lord Epitaph by ending his brutal reign. Can Josh Broody survive being hunted as his very existence could seal a prophecy and bring down a tyrant to restore freedom? Or will Epitaph kill Josh and anyone that assists him and further cement his domination in the universe? Book 1 is available now at Shadow Stars. The Reign of Black Guard Book 2 will be released by mid-July. They are available in paperback and ebook and can be ordered through any bookstore or online at Google Play and iTunes. Shadowedstarbooks.com will have direct links to these online sites. That's shadowedstarsbooks.com. Now that we got that out of the way, let's get back to it. You've, you've done all this on your own, and I've, uh, it's really awesome that you did, just like Tank 3 did, and just like both Well, did. my father didn't originally, technically. You know, my father was on Curb Records. My father did the three Hanks record. My father became his own artist, but that's not how my dad started. You know, and I mean, but that's just a that's fact. You know, my dad did a lot of great work, but that's not how he started his career. He started his career, you know, working with a label that I would never work with, a label that even approached me, but I would never work with because I don't want to be owned for eight to 10 years of my life to do something that I don't agree with. You know, I mean, um, and my, I mean, every member of my family has done that. The only person that didn't is recently my uncle Sam, who is a top artist. You know, he stayed independent. He just got signed to Universal. Very proud of him. That's really awesome. You know, but even my father, man, my father is a punk icon and a metal icon, but he still dressed up in a Hank suit and sang songs at Branson, man because he knew he had to do that to get what he wanted. I was willing to not do anything if I had to do that. That's why I'm 30 years old, man. The reason I'm not 18 years old doing this is because that was offered to me as a child, man. I didn't want to be owned. And if someone was going to own me to be able to reach this many people, I just wasn't going to do it, brother, because you can't buy my soul. Like, you know, that's that's mine. That's that's something that I'm not going to give out for free, even if it means that... 100,000 people get to hear me, 
it's not worth it to me, man. Life is far too short to even spend one year of your life having someone own you that you don't agree with. Like, you know, if you sign to a label and you like those people or those people believe in you, that's a whole different story. But, you know, with my dad and Curve, that was not the story, you know, and that, that wasn't anything he wanted to do. He just did, he did what he had to do, and I respect him for it. It's just that is not something I would ever do because, you know, God forbid his first record is only covers of our family. You know, I like like I said, man, my music, my record that comes out in the next year, like that's all my music, you know, and none of it was something I was told to do, you know, and, and that's, that's why I think people like it, man. No, I think because it's awesome. I'm not. Thank you so much, man. And like I said, you know, like putting hundred watt amps in country songs, man. That's something I've wanted to do since I was eight years old, man. <laughs> I mean, seriously. So that's you know, I love distortion, man. I love fuzz. Um, there's a lot of musical artists that I super, super look up to, like you know, like a Dixie Dave, Weed Eater. You know, he had such crazy country elements, and then out of nowhere had these crazy, crazy, crazy metal songs. You know. But still with the country artist. And that's, that's what I think is really cool is people that are willing to put that, not just the sound, but literally the equipment that is used in another genre. You know, like I love when I see people like have weird instruments in a band. You're like, oh wow. You know, like Eats Done is a good example. They gotta do the place fucking trombone. I mean, you know, it's, it's cool to see branching over it more than just the vocal work, you know, cause I mean, there's so much stuff you can put in music these days, man, with the internet, synthesizers, Old old gear, new gear, pedals. I mean, sky's the limit, man. And a lot of country bands, you've got your DI and your chromatic tuner, and that's all you're going to use. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. But you know, it's, it's kind of cool to think that maybe maybe you could throw some fuzz on there. How, how did the how did the Strange Band actually come together? Uh, I've known I've known most of the Strange Band for over ten years. Um, so Jason Dietz is my bass player. He's also my engineer and uh, my producer. And uh, he recorded bands and worked in town um, in Middle Tennessee since the early 90s. Um, he came here from D.C. when he was old, like early 20s. And uh, he's about 15 years older than I am. And, you know, he's been one of my best friends since about 2010. Uh, he always had an Americana band. He also used to be in like a bunch of different bands and projects and a guy that I shared a lot of opinions and views with, you know, he was someone that he worked in the business. He didn't make a lot of money doing it, but if you were a musician from a rapper to a punk kid, to a country musician, to a metal musician, he'd record you, you know, he'd get you mixed. He'd do what he could. He'd try to make you sound as best as he could to get you a master. And you didn't have to spend a million dollars on it, you know, and, and he was someone that, you know, was just my friend for years and I respected what he did. And, over the years, we just did musical projects that never did anything. They never, we never played with them. We just experimented with stuff. And uh, like I said, I've been a writer for such a long portion of my life. Um, I just started using a lot of my work and writing songs. And, uh, you know, the first time I played Son of Sin for Jason was probably like 2015, so like six years ago. And, you know, I, I wrote that song about six years ago. So, you know, and... It was just an acoustic song. I've also done an acoustic version of it. If you've seen my Western AS video, um, you know, I have three versions of that song because uh, it's, it's, I've had it for a long time to, to refine it and hone it in. So, you know, I mean, I also do touring with just my banjo player. So I tour with a strange band, but I also tour with just Daniel Mason, and we do acoustic sets. Like, uh, that's what I'm doing this Friday in Nashville. Like I said, I'm playing a show with Jamie Wyatt. 
and uh, it's just me and my banjo player tearing it up, man. Because, like I said, I, I just like making shows, man. <laughs> I yeah. just like doing it all, man. You know, I mean, I have a 70s band, and sometimes I play by myself, and sometimes I play with one or two people, and it's just kind of fun because we're very versatile. That's my favorite thing about my group of musicians that I work with is we're never happy with just one version of a song because why we can make a better version maybe. You know, you never know. Yeah. So what, when am I going to get you to come up to Louisville? Kentucky? Yeah. Um, <laughs> man, you know, um, you'd be surprised. Uh, like I said, for my tour with Amigo, I know that I'm going to be in Lexington on the 29th of October. So I'm not going to oh, be in cool. Louisville, but I am going to be in Lexington, Kentucky, uh, October 29th. Cool. Yeah, man, I, like I said, uh, that is me opening for the Tejano Corner Street Thieves and Amigo the Devil. So uh, we will be playing from October 20th till November 18th. I will be uh, I will be uh, rocking it out, man, from all over, really all over the South. I'll be in Texas, Florida, Louisiana, Georgia, North Carolina, Kentucky, Virginia, um, Missouri, Oklahoma. You know, a couple of Nashville shows in there. Um, Georgia, Little Rock. You know, we'll be all over, buddy. Like I said, man. Uh, it's funny, he's playing in Louisville right before I jump on tour on the 3rd of October, but then I'm playing with him in Kentucky and Lexington. I'll try to get you up here somehow. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, like I said, I mean, uh, Louisville's great, man. Like, uh, there, there's a couple of really cool venues in Louisville. Like, uh, I like Zanzibar. I like Diamond. You know, there's, there's, there's cool venues there. Yep. I'm surprised you do. Uh, twice. Huh? At Zanz- Over the years, I've seen Dylan Carlson twice at Zanzibar. At Zanzibar? <laughs> yeah, I love that venue. Like, uh, just because it's a cool, aesthetically, the little blue and white tile. That's a cool, weird little building. You know, the pinball was cool. They were working the pinball angle before everybody was. You know, I, I definitely dig that spot, man. And Diamonds is pretty cool, too. You know, nothing yeah. crazy. I've played Diamonds. I've, not, I've never even been in Zanzibar yet. Never? <laughs> No, I tell you, for somebody who lives in Louisville, I've never been to Derby. I've never, I've never. I did go to Phoenix Hill Tavern before it got torn down. I played there three times. Okay, that was cool. That was the big place, you know, for the longest time. But, nice, man. <laughs> like I could probably get you to come up to Twenty First in Germantown sometime. That probably wouldn't be an issue. Anyway, this isn't about me. <laughs> I got off on a tangent, got reeled in. <laughs> no, dude, you're uh, good, man. Like I said, I mean, I, that's not far from me. I'm in Tennessee, so, you know, Kentucky oh. ain't far off, man. I've spent a lot of time going shows and doing stuff around Kentucky over the years. Do you have a message you'd like to give your fans? Always do something, you know, always express yourself. Don't ever apologize for expressing yourself. If you believe in something, even if nobody else does or somebody tells you you should do it differently, just do what you know is right, and it will always work out, even if it fails, because you're being true to yourself. You know, I mean, that's something I believe in my heart of hearts. There are so many country musicians right now that are my age that did not start in country and Western music. You know, there are so many, men, and, and a lot of it is just not restricting yourself to one thing. Get out of your comfort zone. You know, do something that you're not sure if it'll work, and it might be your future life choices. You know, I mean... That's what I would tell my fans. Just, you know, if you have something you want to do, but something in the back of your head's like, well, what will they think or what will they do? Screw them, man. Just do it. You know, the worst you can do is fail, but at least you were honest to yourself. Man, you've been a really, really great guest, man. Thank you so much for calling. Oh, dude, of course, man. Like, thank you for having me. I mean, like I said, like, I mean, 
you know, to a fellow musician, man, you know, you like the underground. And I mean, that's where I spent, that's where I learned everything for me, man. Like I wasn't even just always a musician, man. I was a traveler. I traveled this country back and forth for almost three and a half years after high school. Like from hitchhiking, hopping on trains, having people's cars, to living on floors, like, you know, traveling is, is you know, well, is the greatest teacher there is, man, and music is second hand in hand with that, you know, and oh, yeah. if you're a traveling musician, then you're just doing the whole thing, <laughs> you know, I mean, so yeah, man, it's, it's, I'm happy to be here, man, always happy to talk to somebody that respects so, the underground. so ready to get back on the road event eventually too man have you got anything lined up are you working on anything or oh i just i've just i've got a couple of things close right now but i haven't lined up anything on the road yet just, okay but I, well, I'll probably, I might be coming to uh i might be coming sooner than later to louisville actually before uh i'm with amigo as well so if that happens i'll make sure that you know about it no, so for sure, man. Like I said, like uh, I might be playing a show with my duo in uh, Louisville in September sometime. So that would just be me and my banjo player. And of course, my banjo player was in my father's band. So my oh, yeah? Player, yes, my banjo player was my father's banjo player for eight years. Um, you know, he's also someone I've known for 15 years. So, like, he's one of my oldest friends. You know who was on this show last week? Who? Joe Buck yourself. Oh, cool. <laughs> You know, you know him, don't you? Out there, Black Eyed Vermilion. If you're a fan of Gary, you know Gary is great, man. You know, I mean, he's of course, you know Gary Lindsay from uh, Ask Jack. You know, Black Eyed yeah. Vermilion. His band is awesome. Oh, I talked to the guys at, at Whiskey Dick last night, and they were part. They were they had something to do with that, I think. Oh, uh, well, Black Eyed Vermilion. Yeah, yeah, man. That's Gary Lindsay's band from Ask Jack. So the that, the front man from Ask Jack. The yep. lead dude of that band is the guy is the head for Mass Jack, Gary Lindsay. Right. Yeah, man. So I mean, they're all over. So everybody's out there working. Or you know, Andy. You know, I mean, if Andy Gibson, Andy Gibson, you know, plays with the Cowpokes in Nashville, which has been around for years. He's the steel player for them now. Who used to be my father's steel player. Awesome. So they're all out there still working, man, staying alive. You know, I mean, uh, you know, just doing what you can, making music. You know, that's the goal. Yep. Oh yeah. I love I love playing on the road, man. <laughs> if I can, oh, yeah, I mean, dude, I've, I've got I've got a I've got a stupid job that interrupts things. But <laughs> hey, man, it's okay. If there's you've never got to apologize about making money, brother. You know, if you're working, you're you're you got a job, you got a house, you got a car. You yeah. know, man, sometimes it takes a little longer to do everything, but you got to take care of you. You know, rock and roll don't always pay the bills, man. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it's very, It's not really been all that lucrative for me personally. <laughs> it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot. Hey man, you're not, you're not you, you can't. One man, but that's you, not why we do it. You know, right? I mean, that's you know. I mean, don't get me wrong. If it pays, that's dope. But you know, I don't think any of us got into this just for making money. Because I, right. you know, I nope. just wanted to make something that. That's why if I wanted to make money, I wouldn't be doing it independently. You know, <laughs> I mean, right. you know. For me, man, it's, it's it's all about the experiences, man. You know, it's all about meeting people that you care about, you know, or people that believe in you. And, you know, if, if it does turn into a job, then you're doing something right. But, you know, if it's a side job for the rest of your life, that's not a bad thing either. You know, I know, man. If you're able to keep it going, you're still doing something, man. You know, I mean, nothing wrong with that. Right on, man. Well... We'll go ahead and wrap this up. You got you got a band camp or anything you want to plug in? 
Um, and we've got Bandcamp, Spotify, iTunes. You know, my single is on all streaming formats. So, you know, uh, yeah, I listen to it. I listen to it on Amazon. Huh? I listen to it on Amazon. I'll just plug it Yeah, man, Amazon. I mean, that's the bonus of this. You know, that's what's <laughs> awesome about, uh, DistroKid. You can get it everywhere. So, yeah. yeah, man. I mean, you know, any streaming format, Foreign Strange Band, you know, our, our single Sin of Sin is on there. Um, you know, I'm touring, like I said, all fall. Um, I'm doing a headlining tour in August and September with dates to be announced soon. And then I will be touring with Amigo the Devil in October and November. So, yeah, man, I've got a – and a, I might have something really special in December as well. So, you know, I'll be touring all the end of this year, and we will be out there, man, you know. And if anyone wants to give us a listen right now, we have a single with a record on the way, and our record's almost done. All right. When do you think it'll be out? Uh, man, a lot of that, that is, uh, a little more political because, okay. uh, you know, if it was up to me, I'd have it out immediately. It's yep. more just, uh, there are people that are interested in the record and being able to get it all across the country is my biggest goal right now for distribution. Right. So, you know, I mean, it'll hopefully be before the holiday season. If not, it will be out in the spring. All right. Hell yeah, man. And we'll, we'll set up another Another yeah, time when, when that comes out, too, man. <laughs> You've been yeah, great. Man, for sure. And like I said, you know, thank you for having me. Really wonderful to talk to you, brother. And like I said, uh, don't make yourself a stranger. If I'm out in Louisville, I'll make sure to give you a holler, my friend. Hello, this is Flynn from the Bourbon and Brothers podcast, where we sit around drinking bourbon and talking at length about meaningless topics. Uh, this joke comes to you from my fellow host, Andrew Hofkamp, who told it on a recent episode. What are the two sexiest animals on the farm? Brown chicken, brown cow. That is all our time we have for now. Thank you for listening to Undergroundopolis. Remember, we do this every Wednesday night, bringing you new and exciting artists every week. Be sure to hit up their websites and social media and stream or download their music. If you like this show, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, any streaming platform, and leave us a review as well. I'm your host, Rob Lyon, signing off.